we have been on the subject of prayer we started by saying what prayer wasn't and then we talked some more about what prayer was and then we proceeded to talk about the different kinds of prayer and then last week we looked at uh, praying in the spirit and why it is important and why it is significant and um, among the benefits of praying in the spirit we mentioned that uh, speaking in tongues helps us to pray to pray out mysteries and uh, it also helps us to pray for things we do not know things we are not conscious about the bible says uh, if i speak in an unknown tongue uh, my my spirit prays but my understanding is unfruitful and uh, it, it also helps us to pray in accordance with the will of god among other benefits and um, one of the ones we didn't look at last week i'm just going to touch on it very quickly and then we will proceed into something else in jude chapter 1 and verse 20 jude chapter 1 and verse 20 it says but you beloved building yourselves up on your most holy faith praying in the holy spirit Okay, a lot of us know that scripture, but we usually stop there. But verse 21 is also equally interesting. It says, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Let me read it from the Amplified Translation. It says, but you, beloved, build yourselves up, founded on your most holy faith. It says, make progress. Rise like an edifice, higher and higher, praying in the Holy Spirit. And then verse 21 says, Guard and keep yourselves in the love of God. Expect and patiently wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, which will bring you unto life eternal. Now, why is this important? There are two things this scripture is talking about. Verse 20 talks about faith. And verse 21 talks about love. Now, this is also going to be very vital to, to what we are talking about tonight. But like, like I was saying, among the benefits of speaking in tongues uh, is that it helps us to build our faith. And when we talk about building our faith, it talks about building our conviction. Faith is, is uh, basically... You know, when it talks about faith, yeah, it's talking about our conviction about God, which ultimately controls everything else that we do. Okay, so it says when we pray in the spirit, we build our faith. So when you are in a situation, no, no, let me not put it that way because then it's going to look like it's only when you are in that situation. Generally, when you pray in the spirit, it, uh, it, it, it keeps us conscious of the of the indwelling of the holy spirit in us this is very important when we pray in the spirit it keeps us conscious of the indwelling presence of the holy spirit in us 
And then when we pray in the Spirit also, it stirs our faith because when you are conscious that God is living inside of you, it stirs up your faith. But you see, it doesn't stop there. It goes on to say in verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God. I have found this to be true that when you pray in the Spirit and you yield yourself to the Holy Spirit, it improves your love life. It improves how you walk in love towards the brethren. Remember the Bible says in Romans chapter 5 verse 5 that hope maketh not ashamed for the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit which was given unto us. Okay, so um, we're looking at Jude, Jude chapter 20. Uh, Jude, uh, Jude verse 20 rather, Jude chapter 1 and verse 20. It says, but you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. And like I said earlier, praying in the Spirit keeps us conscious of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that when I speak in an unknown tongue, my spirit through the Holy Spirit within me is praying, but my understanding is unfruitful. So when we speak in tongues, it keeps us conscious of that indwelling presence of God, which does wonders for our faith. And that's what the scripture is saying. Building up yourselves on your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost. When we pray in the Holy Ghost, it builds us up on our faith. But then verse 21 now goes on to say, Keep yourselves in the love of God. Romans 5.5 says, For the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which was given to us. So when we are conscious, two things. When we are conscious of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, it stirs up our faith. And then it stirs up the love of God in our hearts. And I know somebody might say, I know people that speak in tongues a lot, but they don't walk in love, which is true. As a matter of fact, one of the, one of the most terrible human beings I know, he calls himself a prophet, but he was one of the most terrible human beings I know. Um, he speaks in tongues for hours and hours and hours, and he's a very terrible person. Look, it is a dangerous thing to interact with God and to interact with the anointing and it doesn't change you. It's a very dangerous thing. Um, I know people that spend a lot of time going through the motions of prayer, but I believe that uh, any prayer that does not begin with changing us is a prayer that is not being done properly. Because if we really do commune with God, which is what prayer is, if we really do commune with God the way we ought to, then it should change us. It begins with changing something on the inside of us. So any prayer that you are doing that is not changing something inside you, uh, it's it's not a proper prayer. You are just going through religious motions. Maybe like that Pharisee. That was in the in the, in the temple and was saying, uh, "You see, God, I fast twice a week. I do this, I do that, I do that." You know, and uh, but I, there, there are many people. There's no doubt about it. There are many people out there that are doing what looks to be prayer. And remember what I said when we started this series. I said, if what we call prayer today is what God had in mind when he talked about prayer in the bible then there's something wrong because the bible says pray without ceasing what we call prayer today how is it possible to do it without ceasing so it's either we are getting the word 
pray wrong or we are getting the word season wrong. And even Jesus, he said, uh, a man always ought to pray and not to faint. If, if what we call prayer today is what prayer really is, then God gave us an instruction that it's impossible for us to 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 adhere to okay and 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 you begin to see when you really begin to analyze it then it begins to make sense why you know many people that are going through the motions but it's not changing their lives it's not changing their personality and it's not even changing their circumstances they are going through the motions okay they 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 pray all night or they climb the mountain and they do this and they do that and you say ah that person is a man of prayer and all of that stuff and we heal them and all of that but then you cannot see any change believe me if you commune with god it will change you and so that is the ultimate litmus test for any kind of communion if you commune with god it will change you Okay, so if we are spending hours and hours praying and, and, and God is not talking to us about issues in our lives that we need to deal with, he's not talking to us about walking in love, he's not talking about you know, any of these things, then there is a problem. It means we are not really praying because believe me, if you are praying, which is communion, which is a two-way thing, you speak to God and he speaks to you, before god begins to talk to us about our circumstances he will talk to us about us say you need to fix this in your life you need to fix that you need to fix that you need to change this you need to stop that that is what real prayer will do it will start from the inside before it comes on the outside and so back to jude chapter 1 and verse 20 it says building up yourselves on your most holy faith praying in the holy ghost keep yourselves in the love of god Keep yourself in the love of God. This is very important. And uh, so today we're talking about about um, um, getting answers to our prayers. And this is very important because uh, it can be very frustrating when you pray and pray and pray and pray and you do not get results. But God has not designed it to be like that. The, the truth is most times we don't get results because we are doing the wrong things um, and the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18 it says praying always with all kinds of prayer and supplication in the spirit okay and we talked about why the different kinds of prayers are important because there are different spiritual laws that govern each of these prayers prayer of faith the prayer of supplication the prayer of uh, intercession you know, thanks, uh, giving of thanks, uh, the prayer of unity, the prayer of agreement. There are, there are different spiritual laws that govern them. And so it depends on what you're trying to accomplish. You have to apply those spiritual principles. Please, if you miss those classes and you don't have the recordings, let me know and I will send you the recordings. Now, how do we make sure that we get results when we pray? There are some things I'm going to be mentioning here that will be common knowledge to some of us but you will be amazed how many people are not aware of this now uh in during the the the, the course of the teaching uh i think who is jesus we talked about the the trinity the godhead and um even though there are still people that 
do not believe in the Trinity and do not believe in the Godhead. And um, usually such persons go missing when I begin to ask them certain questions. Okay? Like Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, Mighty God. This is a prophecy about Jesus and said he will be called the Everlasting Father and Mighty God. Usually when I ask that, they can't give me an answer. And then in Genesis chapter 1 and from verse 26, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image and in our likeness and i usually ask the question who is us why is god speaking in plurality if god is not in plurality then why is he speaking in plurality because we know that man was not created in the image of angels so why is god saying let us make man in our image and in our likeness who is us and who is our Okay, and, and, and in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15, the Bible is clear that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Okay, so so the, the, the doctrine of the Trinity, if you are still confused about it, um, I, I can send you that teaching and I'm sure that it will bless you. But the point is this. We have the Godhead, a triune Godhead. Please uh, listen to what I'm about to say because it will... Um, it will change your prayer life if you don't know it already. We have a Godhead, but there is order in that Godhead. God is a God of order. And the responsibilities in the Godhead are different. Okay? I like to put it this way. The Father is the source. He is the, he is the dimension of the Godhead that remains in heaven. Jesus is the dimension of the Godhead that took upon him humanity and came to live among us. The Holy Spirit is the dimension of the Godhead that came to live inside of us. So the Holy Spirit is not in heaven. The Holy Spirit is on earth. Jesus is currently at the right hand of the Father in heaven, but he moves back and forth. Like when Jesus comes to visit you, there is only one Jesus. Jesus cannot visit a million people at the same time okay because it's one jesus all right and then the father is on the throne so you need to understand there are differences in responsibilities the holy spirit did not die on the cross it was the son that died on the cross the father did not die on the cross it was the son that died on the cross so when we understand all of these things it really helps so you don't say eh, they are all god they are all one, so I can pray to any of them and I would have prayed. This is a mistake that many people make. Prayer, the first thing that we need to understand about prayer is we pray to the Father. You can talk to the Holy Spirit. You can talk to Jesus, just like I am talking to you now and you can talk back to me. But it does not mean that we are praying to each other so there is a difference between speaking with the holy spirit and the holy spirit speaking back to you and actually praying to the holy spirit or praying to jesus we pray to the father we don't pray to the holy spirit we do not pray to jesus now let's look at john chapter 16 John chapter 16 and verse 23. 
It says, In that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Ask the Father in my name. Ask the Father in my name. Now let's look at how Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14. Paul is speaking. He said, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Okay, so Paul said, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So we pray to the Father. Please get this. We pray to the Father. We don't pray to Jesus. We don't make petitions to Jesus. We don't make petitions to to the Holy Spirit. We can communicate with the Holy Spirit. We can talk to the Holy Spirit. But you do not pray to the Holy Spirit. Even Jesus said, I will ask the Father and he will send you another comforter. When, even when we are praying for people to be filled with the Holy Ghost, we don't ask the Holy Ghost to fill them. We speak to the Father because it is the Father that gives the Holy Spirit. Just like it was the Father that gave the Son. Okay, so this is important. The Father is the source of all things. We don't pray to anybody else but the Father. I hope this much is clear. Number two thing we need to understand about prayer is that we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. We don't pray to the Father in the name of the Holy Spirit. We don't pray to the Father in the name of the Father. (laughs) This is important. You see, uh, God's name is Yahweh. That is his name. All right? Um, He has other titles based on his function. So you hear things like Yahweh Adonai, Yahweh Elohim, Yahweh Jireh, uh, Yahweh um, El Elyon, Yahweh El Shaddai, you know, things like that. We hear all of those things, but his name is Yahweh. All right? Good. But the thing is this, the Bible says that when Jesus took upon him the form of a servant in in, uh, uh, Philippians chapter 2 from verse 5, it says, therefore God has also highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every other name. Please, let's look at Philippians chapter 2 from verse 5. Philippians chapter 2 verse from verse 5. It says, Let his mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. You see, this is another scripture that... that 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 validates the trinity it says jesus did not think of it as robbery to be equal with god 
okay but made himself of no reputation taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross therefore god also has highly exalted him take note of this now take note of this and given him the name which is above every name now yahweh is a name but the bible is saying that god gave jesus a name that is above every name including the name yahweh not the person yahweh but the name yahweh so in the entire universe the name jesus Okay, and we're going to talk about the name Jesus very shortly. I need to debunk, uh, you know, some fallacies. The name Jesus has been placed above every other name. So, so if you are praying Jehovah Jireh, uh, that's an inferior name. If you are praying Jehovah Nisi, that is an inferior name. If you are praying El Shaddai, I mean, it's beautiful to call God based on those descriptive names that describe a, 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 an aspect of his nature and, and his personality. It's beautiful to remind ourselves. But when we pray, it has to be in the name of Jesus. All right. It says, therefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of, th- of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. That at the name of Jesus, every, every, every. Okay, so the name Jesus is the most powerful name in the entire universe. Now, uh, somebody confronted me recently that um his name is not jesus his name is yeshua and uh that uh whether some people try to remove the power in the name and so they are trying to adulterate it by calling jesus instead of yeshua now uh um it's ridiculous and i'm going to explain why it is ridiculous um now there is no doubt that Yeshua is the Hebrew pronunciation of of the name Jesus. When he walked the earth, they called him Yeshua. Okay? No doubt about that. No doubt about that at all. That is his Hebrew name and that is how it is called in Hebrew. Just like uh, there is no word like Jerusalem in Hebrew. As a matter of fact, the 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 alphabet J does not exist in the Hebrew vocabulary. So when you see Jehovah Jireh, it's actually Yahweh Yara. There's no there's no J. Uh, when you hear Jerusalem, is actually uh, Yerushalayim. Okay, there's no Jerusalem in the Hebrew tongue. Um, any name at all that you hear J, it does not exist in Hebrew. All right, um, the names like John. Uh, these are like a Greek renditions of the Hebrew equivalent. Why is it like that? Because the New Testament was written in Greek. And I explained this before. Why was the New Testament written in Greek? It's because 
when the church was spreading, the church was spreading in areas that were dominantly controlled by Greek civilization. Okay? Uh, 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 when you look at the disciples, the disciples were Hebrew. Uh, they, they, they spoke Aramaic, those of them that were Galileans. Uh, and then the Roman Empire was dominant. It was Latin. But you need to remember that before the Roman Empire was the Grecian Empire. And the Grecian Empire spread civilization across the world. And so Greek was the dominant force in terms of civilization. And so in order for the disciples to reach more people, they wrote in a language that was common to the people in the global civilization at that time. And so they wrote in Greek. So when you see names like John, when you see names like James, these are Greek renditions of a Hebrew name. All right? And... uh, And I, and I asked somebody, I said, are you aware that the name Yeshua is the same, is the same with the name Joshua? All right? Like, why are you making it sound like it's one special name that came with Jesus and Jesus alone? No, no, no. I, I said there is nothing special about the name, as in the words of the name. There are many other persons, many other Jewish people that go by the name Yeshua. Just like Joshua. Joshua in the Old Testament, his name was Yeshua. Okay, remember I said there's no J in the Hebrew alphabet. Okay. And I said that there's nothing special about the name. It is the bearer of the name and faith in the name that makes it special. So either ways you want to go. In Hebrew, there are people that go by the name Yeshua. In other languages, there are people that go with the name Jesus. Uh, they may call it Jesus, they may call it Jesus, but there, there was a footballer, or there's a footballer that his name is Jesus Navas, right? Um, there are people in Latin America, Jesus is quite a common name, although the meaning is different, but it's quite a common name. So, so we need to, we need to, we need to get that out of our heads that ah, the name Jesus, nobody else. Like people bear the name Mohammed, but you don't see people bearing the name Jesus. No, 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 that is not what makes it special what makes it special is the person behind the name and faith in that name okay so we pray to the father in the name of jesus now i i, I need to uh ha 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 i need to stress something the word name in the greek Let's go to let's go to let's go back to John chapter 16 and verse 23. It said, And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father, take note of this, in my name he will give it you. Whatsoever the, you ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Okay, um, okay, Mr. Molara is mentioning adding Christ to the name. Well, well, um, Christ, Christ is, uh, now I, I need to explain something. The word Christ and the word Messiah are the same thing, okay? Just like Jesus and Yeshua are the same thing. Uh, in Hebrew, they say Yeshua HaMashiach, that's Jesus the Messiah. 
in in Greek they say Jesus Christ, which is Jesus the Messiah. Okay, um, and the Messiah actually means the Anointed One. Okay, it's not Jesus's surname. It, 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 it just means the anointed one. Uh, I know some persons have mistaken the Messiah to mean Savior. Messiah does not mean Savior. Messiah does not mean Savior. Uh, so even in, uh, in, in, in vocabulary, you hear things like he has a Messiah complex. Like he tries to save everybody. So he has a Messiah complex. But Messiah does not mean Savior. Messiah means the anointed one. Now... It, it's even it, uh, let me just say this for all intents and purposes Jesus is the Messiah right but he has not functioned in that role yet Jesus has not functioned in that role yet and that's why he told Peter he said flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my father which is in heaven when peter said you are jesus the christ why do the jews still believe that the messiah has not come because the messiah is supposed to be the anointed one that will crush all their enemies the messiah is not supposed to die the way jesus died the messiah is supposed to be like this superpower figure do you understand so it's like superman and then superman comes and he's being crucified it did not make sense okay but the truth is jesus has not functioned in the role of messiah yet he will but he has not so when we call him jesus the christ it is we are calling him the christ in faith uh we are calling him the christ because we know that he is the christ not because he has actually functioned in the role of the christ when we talk of the christ or the messiah it is a title that is um peculiar to the nation of israel and their role that they will play in the end time there is the prophecy that a savior or or rather a messiah an anointed person somebody that has been anointed to rule and to sit on the throne of david forever okay that is that person and that is why christ or jesus is called the christ so adding christ to the name right now does not necessarily make it any more powerful christ just like just like saying uh, Jehovah Jireh or Jehovah Nisi, Christ is more of a description of an office that he is supposed to occupy. Okay? Christ is, Christ is a description. Yes, Jesus is the anointed one, but we are all anointed, right? Okay? We are all anointed too. So, you know that the anointing it's talking about is not just having the Holy Spirit on you. No. It's an anointing for a particular office. Just like David was the anointed king, for 13 years he did not manifest as king but he was the anointed king the same way jesus is the anointed one that will rule the nation of israel from jerusalem and rule the rest of the world okay but he has not uh he has not filled that role yet and so when you see like isaiah chapter chapter 9 and from verse 6 for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and he shall be called wonderful counselor everlasting father prince of peace mighty god okay so these are future these are things talking about a particular role that jesus is going to fill. so now let's go back to john chapter 16 
and verse 23 and in that day you shall ask me nothing verily verily i say unto you so jesus is saying a point is going to come he was telling his disciples you will no longer ask of me there were times he said ask me okay but now he's saying in that day you shall ask me nothing verily verily i say unto you whatsoever you shall ask the father in my name he will give you so number one i said we pray to the father number two i said we pray to the father in the name of jesus now the greek word for name is onoma o-n-o-m-a <laughs> onoma means a name and figuratively it means authority and character authority and character so when we pray in the name of jesus we need to be conscious of his authority and of his character that's why you see people shout the name jesus and it doesn't work for everybody uh, <laughs> we had this neighbor uh, several years ago their father was an allergy of course and they were muslims and uh, something happened one time i think there was a loud bang and stuff like that you know and the muslim guys were screaming jesus okay and he didn't realize when he said it you know i mean when you look at unbelievers and atheists they use jesus as an exclamation like jesus what are you saying like jesus you know sometimes they even add profanity to it all right so so that name is not just it's not powerful in itself that's why i said there's nothing special about the name people use the name jesus in insults they use it to swear they use it to say all sorts of things and doesn't mean that god responds every time that because he hears his name no it doesn't work like that god responds when we are conscious of the authority and the character of the person that carries that name so calling the name alone in itself does not do anything yeah i know there are songs i know there are there are sermons oh at the mention of your name uh every time you mention the name jesus the devils tremble trust me they don't they don't because even devils call the name you are jesus son of the living god Mm -hmm. so the truth is um if you think uh simply because you scream jesus things are going to begin to happen you need to call the name jesus from a position of a consciousness of both the authority in the name and the quality of the character of the person whom you are calling upon this is important okay hollywood calls jesus people call jesus all the time it doesn't make a difference what 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 makes it make a difference is that consciousness of the authority and the character of the person carrying that name so number one pray to the father number two pray in the name of jesus number three pray with the right motifs now we talked about this in passing sometime when big man uh, asked but we're going to look into it again james chapter 4 
James chapter 4 and from verse 2. It says, You lost and have not, yet uh, you lost and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain, ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Now, so first it says, You do not have because you do not ask. But then it now goes on to say, Even when you ask, you do not receive. Why? Because you ask amiss. How do you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lusts? When we pray and when we make petitions, when we ask God for things, we need to make sure that we have the right motives and we have the right intentions. You see, the truth is you can't fool God. So you may be speaking all the right words, but if your heart is not in the right place, you are not going to get anything. So you're trusting God for a car and you're asking for a car. Why do you want a car? So that you can splash water back on somebody that once splashed water on you because you didn't have a car? Or so that you can pepper them and show them that, yes, God is also on your side? Or, you know, you know there, there, are, there are billions of, of crazy motives why people want legitimate things. Why people want legitimate things. But their motives are wrong. And this is one 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 major reason why although we may ask for the right things we may use all the right scriptures but we do not get results because our motives are wrong our hearts are in the wrong place i hope this is clear so so if if you if you if you check your heart and you realize that okay you are actually wanting this thing and desiring this thing for the wrong reasons the first thing you need to do is set your heart straight or just completely forget about that thing because you are not going to get anything you are not going to get anything from god if the reason you want to have money is so that you can oppress all the people that once oppressed you or so that you can you can deal with your wicked uncle who refused to pay your school fees when you were in secondary school. You know, there are, there are so many things. People want to be, they, they say the best, the best revenge is to become successful. I find that very insulting. Personally, I find it very insulting. I want to be successful because I want to be successful. I don't want to be successful because I want to revenge or because I want to prove a point or because I want to make somebody swallow their words. I'm not living my life to prove a point to anybody. Anything I want, anything I want to have, anything I aspire to be, it's because, number one, I want to be. Number two, I believe it will position me better to serve my generation according to the will of God. Not because I want to prove a point to anybody or to prove a point to an ex. Say, ha, you dumped me. Now I am the president. You know, things like that. But you, 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 you will not begin to imagine how shallow people think. Some people work so hard to, to succeed, to become wealthy, just so that they can flaunt it in the face of somebody that maybe once rejected them or once treated them badly you know in the flesh you can walk hard and do all of that but don't bring it into the spirit don't 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 bring it because it's not going to work if your motives are wrong work does not check your motives so if you work hard you will get results but when you're praying god checks your motives 
all your words may be right all the scriptures may be right but if your motives are wrong you will not get anything so set your heart straight so if you've been praying about something and you've been using all the right scriptures and it seems not to be working i think you need to run the heart test do the diagnostics run the heart diagnostics why do i really want this thing why do i really want this job why do i really want to move to america why do i really want to marry this girl why do i really want that car why do i really want this contract you need to begin to ask yourself So number one, pray to the Father. Number two, pray in the name of Jesus. Number three, have the right motives. Number four, pray according to the word of God. Pray according to the word of God. Um, the Bible says that every promise of God in Christ Jesus are yea and amen. All right. It is important that we approach God based on his word and based on the promises that he has already given to us uh, in 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 first John chapter 5 and verse 14 it says that this is the confidence that we have in him that if we shall ask anything according to his will he heareth us okay and his will in is his word okay so for you to ask according to his will means you have to ask according to his word and then uh, it goes on to say that and if we know that he hears us then we know that he will grant our petitions in john chapter 15 and verse 7 it says that um, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you you shall ask what you will he didn't say you shall ask what i will he said you shall ask what you will and it shall be done but there was a clause at the beginning if you abide in me if you stay in me and my words abide in you you will ask what you will is because jesus knows that if his word really abides in you his will and your will will become one so even when you ask what you will you are asking what he wills now let me show us a scripture isaiah chapter 43 and verse 26 isaiah 43 and verse 26 he said, put me in remembrance. This is God speaking. Put me in remembrance. Now, God is not saying remind me because he has a shallow memory. God is saying remind me because he wants to be sure that you know what you are talking about. Okay, it's like a judge. Uh, a judge is sitting on that seat and the judge may already know that this person is guilty or this person is innocent. But if the person representing you does not make a good case, the judge is not going to judge based on his own instincts and conviction. The judge can only judge based on the evidence that has been made available to him. We're talking about in a fair system, in a fair legal system. A judge may know that somebody is guilty but might discharge and acquit that person if the prosecutor is not able to bring compelling evidence that the person is guilty same way a judge could sentence somebody even though the judge knows that the person is innocent if the defender cannot make a compelling case okay and so god is saying put me in remembrance let us plead together take note he's using legal terms here put me in remembrance let us plead together 
declare thou that thou mayest be justified these are all legal terms remember i told us god is our father god is our judge god is our king god is our god and each of these offices you need to be conscious when you are approaching god okay so what you want at every point in time when you are praying and you are fellowshipping you are fellowshipping with your father okay but there are times when you want to demand certain things that are your legal rights you need to approach him as a judge or as a king and you need to plead your case this is important it's like your father is the president all right you can relate with him as daddy 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 but if you want a contract you have to write to the office of the president you don't write to the office of my daddy there's no office of your daddy your daddy doesn't have an office it's the president that has an office so god is our daddy but he also has an office as a king he also has an office as god he also has an office as a judge and so it's important when we're approaching god depending on what we are trying to do depending on what we are trying to accomplish we should approach him based on the office that we need to respond to that particular need. so here all here it's all legal terms and god is saying put me in remembrance Put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Declare thou that thou mayest be justified. The New Living Translation says, Let us review the situation together and you can present your case to prove your innocence. Alright? Let us review the situation together and you can present your case to prove your innocence. The NIV says, review the past for me. Let us argue the matter together. State the case for your innocence. State the case for your innocence. Uh, the, The Amplified Translation says, put me in remembrance. Remind me of your merits. Let us plead and argue together. Set forth your case that you may be justified or proved right. Okay? So there are times we have to remind God. Maybe there's been a prophecy concerning your life or maybe you saw something in scripture. Okay? And your life is going contrary to what you have seen or what God has told you from his word or directly. Put him in remembrance. Don't say, ah, well, he's God. He remembers. Yes, he remembers, but he wants you to put him in remembrance. He asked us to put him in remembrance. So, put him in remembrance. This is important. But how can you put God in remembrance of his word when you don't even know what the word says? So it's important before you are praying for for healing for your body, look for the scriptures by his stripes we are healed. Look for the scriptures. None of the inhabitants of the land shall say that we are sick. Look for the scriptures. Is there no balm in glee? You know, look, look for the scriptures and say, Lord, this is your word. This is what you said. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities? Who healeth all thine diseases? Lord, my iniquities have been forgiven in Christ Jesus. And the same price that Jesus paid for my iniquities, he paid for my healing. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities? Who healeth all thine diseases? So forgiveness and healing go hand in hand. Remember that guy when they tore Jesus' roof and dropped the guy? Jesus looked at him and said, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees said, well, only God has the authority to forgive sins. 
that's to prove again that Jesus was God, okay? But then Jesus said, which is easier? Should I say your sins are forgiven or carry your bed and walk? Because as far as I'm concerned, they mean the same thing, you see? So if your sins have been forgiven, healing is your right. But you need to know this and you need to be able to tell God, Lord, I am saved. My sins are forgiven. So sickness should not be in my body. Put God in remembrance. Pray according to the word. Number five, ha, this one is going to sting a little bit. Do away with unforgiveness. Ha, ha. Unforgiveness does hinder prayers. Let's look at Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11 and verse 24. We'll read 24 and 25. It says, therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And when ye stand praying, forgive, if ye have aught against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. Jesus said, if you stand praying, forgive, if you have anything against anybody, anybody at all. Now, listen, you need to understand something. Uh... In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 14, Jesus said, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So, uh, I know somebody will say, Well, look, let me tell you something. We are all human beings, and we know that people can actually do certain things that are unforgivable. People can actually do things that are unforgivable. And I can tell you this with all authority, that Satan knows how much damage unforgiveness can do in the life of a believer. And so he deliberately targets unbelievers. He brings people into your life to do things that are humanly unforgivable. Mm. But you see, no matter what has been done to us, God still expects us to forgive. Look, living the Christian life is not a walk through the park. It is a lot of work. Jesus expects us to forgive because he has forgiven us so much. And to whom much is given, much is also required. We are not doubting the fact that there are people that can do things. Oh boy, people have done things to me in my life. And I know that we all have our own stories. We've all had our own encounters. But I am saying, what I'm trying to say here is, we will never get to a point where unforgiveness will be permitted. Just scratch it. You will never get to a point where God will be okay with, okay, yeah, yeah, that guy really did you strong thing. It's okay if you don't forgive. We will never get to that point. Because God will show you Stephen. They were throwing stones at Stephen. And Stephen looked and said, God, do not hold this to their account. And God would ask you, say, what they did to you, is it worse than what they did to Stephen? If Stephen can forgive, so can you. I am saying this because Satan continues to lay the trap for believers. He will bring people into your life to offend you. I did a teaching some time ago. I think I'm going to send the links out later. 
uh, oh, I already did. I already did the rock of offense. Okay, how offenses will surely come, and that is the truth. But we need to make a decision that no matter what happens in my life, I will forgive. First, see, forgiveness happens by faith. Some you think of it and it will sting you, and you just have to keep confessing, I have forgiven, Lord, and I forgive, I release this person from my heart by faith. You know, I'm not going to try to play it down and make it look like, ah, why will you let people live in your heart rent-free? Why will you let people live in your head? You know, unforgiveness like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. No, there are things that people actually do to us that deserve unforgiveness from a human and natural point. There are things that people will do and you will look at it and think and say, Kai, I cannot forgive you because it feels like cheating. It feels, it feels like you've been cheated, like 2-0. Okay? But God expects us to forgive. We will never get to a point where unforgiveness will be okay. Chogu said, someone once said, the person that cannot forgive is someone that has forgotten what they have been forgiven of. That is true. You know, there is the parable of the guy that was owing so much money. I know we, we all know that parable. Owing so much money. And the, 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 the king forgave him. And then he went home and somebody that was owing him small money, he, he harassed the guy. And when the king heard about it, the king said, I forgive you so much. Why couldn't you forgive this guy? And the king locked him up and said, you are going to be there until you pay everything that you owe. How can you be paying from prison? We all know that is impossible. Okay. So God expects us to forgive. Um, if it's difficult for you because the person is always around you, try to create distance. Sometimes it's a lot easier to forgive when you've, when you've created distance. Block the person if you have to. Move away from the person if you have to. But make a decision in your heart to forgive. Sometimes it takes time for our hearts to completely heal, for us not to be hurt by the thoughts of those things anymore. Sometimes it can take, day, take days, sometimes weeks, sometimes years okay but we have to decide to forgive because number one jesus made it clear if you do not forgive my father will not forgive you so it's safe to say that unforgiveness living a life of unforgiveness is a very fast track to hell but apart from that unforgiveness will hinder your prayers so for the period that you are holding people in your heart, just know that your prayer life is not going to be very effective. You can spend six hours praying or speaking in tongues or doing whatever, but it's not going to go very far. Number six, let us walk in love. Walking in love. First mm. Corinthians chapter, this, this is going to be very similar to the, the point we just talked about, walking in love uh, and, and unforgiveness. First Corinthians chapter 12, sorry, not 12, 13 and verse 1. Paul said, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. All right, and then when we skip to verse, verse 4, let's go to verse 4. It says, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. 
Okay, there's a translation that says love does not keep records of wrong. So walking in unforgiveness is actually that aspect of walking in love. Okay, and verse 8 says love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Okay, so our praying must be done and motivated by love. Not, not as a, not, not, remember we talked about motives. You can be interceding for somebody and have the wrong motives. Intercession has to be done from a place of love. When you are praying for the sick, it has to be done from, a, from the place of love, not uh, they, they will know today that I am anointed, you know? <laughs> and that's the motive for some people. But look, even casting out devils, casting out devils should be motivated more by the love we have for the person being oppressed than it is for the hatred we have for the devil but there are so many ministers that everything that they are doing is motivated by hate maybe not hate of human being but hate of the devil that is wrong it looks like it's a good thing but it's wrong we should be motivated by the love for the people that are being oppressed rather than hatred for the oppressor there's a difference and it is important Okay, so, 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 our praying should be from a place of love and from, from a place of affection and from a place of that, that commitment. Um, no, I want to read one scripture. Those of us that are married here, this is for you. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 7. Ha! First Peter 3, 7. This may be one reason why people like Paul and Jesus had more effective prayer lives because they were not married <laughs> okay that's a joke but yeah you see for yourself first peter 3 7 says husbands likewise dwell with them that's talking about their wives with understanding giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel now please let me pause here the bible never called women weaker vessels it just says that men should treat them like weaker vessels it's like i say uh, we are going to give that man a presidential reception. It doesn't mean he's the president. Or if I say, hold that child like an egg, it doesn't mean the child is an egg. Okay? The Bible did not say women are weaker vessels. I believe that women are a lot stronger than men. Uh, they may express their emotions more, but women are a lot stronger than men. If a woman puts her mind to do something, she gets it done. Um, <laughs> you know, but women are strong. They are emotionally strong. They may cry a lot more than men, but they are very strong. And I do not believe that women are weaker vessels. By any sense of the word, uh, weaker vessels. I believe that women, the, the, the Bible calls the woman a helpmate. All right. The same term that Jesus used in referring to the Holy Spirit, a helper. A helper can only help you do something that you cannot do on your own. It means that the helper has to be at least as powerful or more powerful than you are. Okay, but that's talk for another day. So, um, it says, Husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. This is the scripture where people say women are the weaker vessels. No, no, no. Don't, don't, don't be fooled. Women are not weaker vessels. And as being heirs together of the grace of life, now, take note of the last phrase, that your prayers may not be hindered. So, God is saying that if you do not honor your wife, 
and you do not take care of her, you do not love her the way you ought to, it will hinder your prayer. So it doesn't matter if you are bishop, archbishop, if your wife is unhappy with you, it will hinder your ministry, it will hinder your prayer life. Now you understand what I meant by saying Paul and Jesus. Because um, at every point in time, married people have to contend with some of these things with an unhappy wife. If your wife is unhappy with you, don't go and pray. You are wasting your time. Go and settle with her before you go to pray. Don't go and pray. You are wasting your time. Just go and sleep instead because you are wasting your time. If you are so angry, you cannot settle with her and you need to cool off. Don't go and pray. Go and sleep. Go and watch a movie. Go and watch football. Go and play tennis. Go and eat ice cream. Do something. And then go and settle with her. Then go and pray. But don't pray because you are wasting your time. The Bible is very clear on that. If your wife is unhappy with you, you don't treat her right, it's going to hinder your prayer life. And it's one of the fastest ways for a man's ministry to crumble. If you are treating your wife like crap, (laughs) it's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. Your ministry will crumble. Alright? So if you don't treat your wife with respect and you're a minister, you're treating your wife like crap, you may be getting away with it for now, but it's just a matter of time. Alright? Number seven. Every kind of prayer must be done in faith. We talked about that uh, last week matthew 21 22 says whatsoever you ask in prayer believing you will receive mark eleven twenty four says whatsoever things you desire when you pray believe that you receive them and you shall have them so it's important that we always pray in faith and finally let's live a life of praise uh when 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 you are done asking when you are done praying live a life of praise even when worry comes and anxiety comes and it looks like this thing is not going to work out just live a life of praise uh romans chapter 4 and verse 20 says abraham was not weak in faith but was strong in faith giving glory to god um and we see in in acts chapter 2 and verse let's look at acts chapter 2 and verse 46 and let's look at the life that the church lived acts chapter 2 and verse 46 It says, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those that were being saved. All they were doing was praising God. They were just praising God and praising God. Let's look at Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24 from verse 50. It says, And he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifted up his hands, and blessed them. Now it came to pass, while he blessed them, that he was parted from them, and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him, and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. Continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. Now this has to be... A lifestyle now remember praise is not necessarily fast song uh, worship is not necessarily slow song praise simply means to speak well of someone 
Okay, you can do it with music. Lord, you are so good. You are worthy of all our praise. You know, you, you can do that. You can do it in singing. You can do it in music. But you can do it with just words. Uh, there, there are people that are tone deaf and can't sing to save their lives. Kenneth Hagin could not sing at all. <laughs> he could not even sing at all. At all. Okay, but he still had to learn to praise God. Oh, Father, we give you praise. You are good and you are great and your mercy is forever. You know, when you are hailing somebody, that is praise. Okay? Not carry me, they go. Jehovah, carry me, they go, they go, they go. It's fast. People dance to it, but you are not saying anything. Carry you, they go where? <laughs> That's not praise, but people sing it as praise and worship. Okay? But <laughs> we have it twisted. Simply because it's fast and you can dance does not mean it's praise. Praise means to speak well of to speak well of and god said to abraham i will bless them that speak well of you don't you think that if god is going to bless people for speaking well of abraham he's going to bless us even more for speaking well of him the bible says in psalm 67 is it five and six now aha yes five and six let the people praise the praise you oh god let all the people praise you then the earth shall yield her increase. God, our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. So there is a blessing in praising God. And we need to, we need to make it uh, more of a lifestyle. We need to make it more of a lifestyle and be consistent. So, so we, need to, we need to live a life. When, when you're done you know praying live a life constantly of praise and just say something good about god lord you're awesome lord you're you're faithful you're 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 great you're beautiful beyond description you know and just just speak well of him and and you know replace those petitions after you've made those petitions and you you've asked god for the things that you want just replace them with praise and keep giving glory to God and keep praising God until you see the manifestation. And even if you don't see the manifestation, continue to give God praise. Um, th- there is a blessing in praising God. And so while you are trusting God for that thing, praise him. Praise him. And praise him. Yes, it's good to dance. Um, it's good to, to scream and to shout and all of those things. I, it's beautiful, no doubt about it. But the, 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 the substance of praise is in, in the things that we say, the fruit of our lips. All right? The Bible talks about the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips. It's called a sacrifice because it's not always convenient. It's hard to speak well of somebody when you feel betrayed by the person. It's hard to speak well of somebody when when you feel like the person is not doing enough for you okay that's why it's called a sacrifice of praise okay but god expects us continually continually the fruit of our lips it's not the movement of our bodies it's good to dance before god okay but it's not the, just the, the, it's not about the movement of our bodies otherwise people like like us that can't dance will never be able to praise god uh people that can't sing will never be able to praise god okay but the Bible says, let everything that has breath praise God. So if you can breathe and you can make any sound at all, you can speak well of God. Amen. I hope someone got something out of this tonight. Okay, big man said, talking about casting. Did the Bible talk about we cast out devils in the name of Jesus? Knowing that Jesus said all power in heaven and earth has been given to him and he has given it to us. 
and he said, resist the devil and he will flee. Using a case study of Hagen that was talking to Jesus and the demon came in between them and all that transpired. Yeah, I know the story. Considering the above points, so are we to cast out devils in the name of Jesus or we should resist the devil? Okay, uh, that's, that's a good question. In our own lives, we resist the devil. Okay? Um, in our own lives, we resist the devil. Uh, the Bible says, give no place to the devil. So, Satan Satan tries to pay all of us a visit, you know, frequently. He tries to visit all of us. And so, we resist him in our lives. But in someone else's life, when the devil has already taken a place in someone else's life, then we cast the devil out. You get the difference? Okay, so... Um, it's like preventing a snake to come into your house and then going to someone else's house to help them chase the snake that is already in their house. Okay, so we cast out devils in the lives of others, but in our own lives, we resist the devil by giving him no place and by making sure that uh, we, we continually put our hearts and our spirits in the right spiritual atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to, to dwell with us. Now, please, I, I need to say this spirits walk with atmospheres you need to create a conducive environment for them demons need a kind of atmosphere different kinds of demons require different kinds of environment so in a club naturally there's a kind of demon the atmosphere has been created for that demon you don't need to invite it you don't need to say oh demon of lust oh demon of alcoholism we invite thee come and dwell in this club you don't need to invite them by reason of the kind of activities that go on there, the demons are invited. Places that are dirty, there are kinds of demons that naturally will want to stay around there. Um, yes, casting out... Uh, okay, I'll, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. Let me just finish this thought. Okay? The same way the Holy Spirit requires a particular kind of environment. Even our human spirit requires a kind of environment. The environment our human spirit needs is a healthy body. There is a level of damage that happens to this physical body and the human spirit can no longer stay. The environment is no longer conducive. It is forced to live. It does not, des- it does not matter your desire to be alive. It does not matter how much you desire to be alive. There's a level of damage that is done to this body and the human spirit can no longer stay there. It's the same way there are certain conditions that happen that invite demon spirits there are certain conditions that happen and they can no longer stay there so i'm getting to your question and the same thing with the holy spirit there are certain ways we condition an atmosphere that naturally we don't need to say holy spirit come he will come okay and big man is asking say must we do casting out in the name of jesus well it's not a must because the truth is i have seen demons leave places without a word being said And that's why I said the things that I said. There is a way you condition an environment. A demon can no longer stay there. Yes, we cast out devils in the name of Jesus. But I am not saying you must say in the name of Jesus before a demon can leave. Remember what I said when I talked about the name of Jesus. I said we must be conscious of the authority and the character of the person that we are representing. And sometimes... A consciousness of that authority and his character may not always be expressed verbally. You may just step into a place and demons will begin to scream out. 
Okay, so I'm, I'm trying to balance this. We cast out devils in the name of Jesus. But remember, name does not necessarily mean uttering Jesus. It means an understanding of the authority and the character of the person of Jesus. So, so, so you, you, you will see devils that are being cast out without somebody saying a word. But it is still happening in the name of Jesus because the word name there in the Greek, onoma, means authority and character. There, there was a man of God, A.A. Uh, a. Allen, some of us may have heard of him. He would look at the demon-possessed person and say, I am A.A. A. Allen, come out. And the devils will scream and get out. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so it's, it's not... Uh, it's about the person of Jesus. That, remember what I said. The name in itself, there's nothing special about it. It's the person behind the name that makes the name special. Okay? And so when you think of the name of Jesus, I need you to think of authority. I need you to think of character. Authority, character. Authority, character. It's not, it's not screaming Jesus. People use Jesus in profanity. They use Jesus to swear. So um, it's not about that. Uh, and, and then the funny thing is this uh, Yoruba call it Yesu or Jesu rather it's houses that say Yesu I think uh, and different languages call call it in different ways and they still get results so it's it's really not about the 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 pronunciation or the utterance of the name it's about the, the person behind the name and the recognition of his authority and what he has accomplished that brings results.